What's cracking, everybody? <laughs> okay, so obviously B Comp is in here, and hopefully the camera angle looks decent because she usually sets that up each time. But yeah, we're gonna pick up where we left off, basically from last episode that we released earlier in the week, where we talked about some potential matchmaking that the UFC could do for each of the winners on the main card of UFC 272. We were going to do the uh, Santos versus Uncle Live preview on that same episode, but we decided since it was at 30 minutes and we felt that was a pretty decent time, we just decided to cut off and then I'm just going to make this episode. But yeah, dude, going through the card for this one, I knew Santos and Uncle Live were, because um, I've been, let's, I've been gone for like the past like week and a half, kind of, and then really focusing on school because I had to get a bunch of work done early so I could go spend spring break with my friends. I It wasn't my spring break. It was theirs, so I had to get a bunch of work done early, so I couldn't, so I wasn't behind or whatever, but, or so I didn't get behind, but UFC and sports kind of took a little bit of a back seat there for a second, but I was still following the fights closely. I watched the main card of UFC 272, and actually, to, before I filmed the episode with, Bianca for our most recent episode. I rewatched most of the fights on the undercard. But yeah, going through this one, it's an absolute stellar fight card, dude. And like I said, I knew Uncle Live and Santos were gonna bang it out, but I didn't realize some of the fights that are on the It's pound for pound one of the better cards we've seen this year. I know there hasn't obviously been a ton of events, but I mean we're kicking off Guido Canetti versus Chris Moutinho. The absolute legends of the sport are gonna be the second fight on the card and they're gonna kick it off basically kick off the night with a bang. And in my opinion, I wrote this down in my trusty notes that I'm probably barely going to refer to as I get so sidetracked. But I honestly believe this is going to be, if, if we're not careful here, if some of the other fights are duds, we're going to be looking at fight of the night here because I know that the um, some of the cards that are technically like on them that aren't prelims, I mean, some of the fights that aren't prelims, there's some bangers there. But in terms of all around, guaranteed fireworks it doesn't you can't look any further than Guido Canetti versus Chris Moutinho both of them can eat shots both of them can put you down um hella volume good cardio like extremely powerful like I don't know I'm just really excited to see how Chris Moutinho does considering he has such a tough test in his UFC debut against Sean O'Malley and then I was super impressed with how Guido fought in his last fight against Mano Martinez despite being 42 years old he looks fantastic for 42 he like I want to say in his last few fights, he's fought, um, who, who was it? Dana Bakary, who's got absolute concrete packed into his fist. And then he, he lost to Marlon Vera, and then he lost a split decision to Mano Martinez. He lost all his last three fights, but that resume is insane. He's fighting absolute studs in the most stacked division in all of mixed martial arts, and no matter what promotion you're looking at. But it's going to be fun. I'm looking for a split decision absolute banger. I don't think anybody's going to get finished just considering how tough they are. I think we're going to see all aspects of MMA in this fight because I can see it going to the ground. I really believe somebody's going to get dropped. It's going to go to the ground. There's going to be fun scrambles. There's going to be fun, fast exchanges in the pocket. And yeah, this is my pick. This is my fight, uh, my favorite, personal favorite fight on the fight card. It stood out to me amongst a bunch of other bangers, but I guess, I guess let's just start off the episode though. Now that that's out of the way, let's start off the episode with kind of the light heavyweight picture. And then I guess just 
the implications that this fight holds. So we're going to start from the bottom and go to the top. But Uncle Ivor Santos. I mean, Tiago Santos, he's been on kind of a skid lately, but he got that dub over Johnny Walker and then Magomed, as I think, I don't know. In my opinion, like I've said in prior podcasts, he is the best light heavyweight in the UFC and I believe best light heavyweight walking the face of the planet just given the fact that he can move like a middleweight, move like a welterweight. He's got great stand-up and then what are you going to do, take him down? No, I don't think so. And then if you do, if somehow he does get to the ground, get it to the ground, you think you're going to hold that a 6-3 um, Dagestani man or what does he fight, Makachkala or whatever, Russia? You're not holding that man on the ground for very long, okay? And so that's why I believe he's the most well-rounded light heavyweight in the world. And am I crazy to say this? This is what I. This is basically what I want to talk about: is the light heavyweight division. Ever since John Jones has been there, has been, for the most part, pretty non-competitive. And then we had the weird little stint where Jan Blachowicz was champ. He deserved it. Um, he got his money, got his cash, but everybody knew it was kind of a weird situation because, like, it's just strange knowing that somebody else is the champ when you have a John Jones out there who is just light, leaps and bounds, better than everybody else. So it's strange seeing a guy who is kind of a toss-up there in the division who went on a hot streak, seeing him being the champ. It's good for him. And it, it, this, we're seeing a similar kind of thing with Glover. Glover is fantastic. He put on a, an amazing performance against Yon, but I don't know. Just There's just so many good young contenders out there that you just believe are just, I don't know, ready to take the throne sooner than later. And so we obviously have here... Okay, so let me lay out the picture for you. We got Hiri Parashka, obviously fighting Glover Teixeira. That fight's going to be extremely interesting. But looking at who's going to be next, it has to be Magomed on Live. Am I crazy to say that? I know we've got, obviously, Jan Blachowicz up there still. We don't want a rematch in there between Glover or a fight against Hiri Parashka. It doesn't really make any sense. And then we have Rakic. The fight between Blachowicz and Rakic, that was supposed to happen. But then, obviously, Blachowicz had to pull out with an injury. Um, it was his hand or something. And then, uh, we have Lionheart Smith. Okay. Lionheart and Rockage. I think that is the fight to make. I am just really torn on what to do with Blahovich, but then I really believe you give on the next title shot. But then what do you do with the guys like Paul Craig and, uh, Jamal Hill, Jamal Hill. He deserves, he deserves, and let me pull up the rankings really fast because, Jamal Hill, as we've seen it with obviously in the light heavy in the in the heavyweight division with Taito Ibasa, let's shoot those guys up to the moon. If you have, if you believe that they can get the job done and you think that they're prepared and they're vets, by all means, shoot them to the top. And I I, I have another interesting proposition that we'll talk about later that has to do doesn't have anything to do with this fight card, but we'll talk about it. But Jamal Hill. Would it be crazy to leapfrog him to three or four against Rockets or Anthony Smith? I don't think it'd be crazy. Maybe you give Jamal Hill Tiago Santos if he loses to Magomed Ankalaev. I don't know. But I really believe Jamal Hill, he gets people excited. He gets people out of his chairs. He gets people into the seats. He gets people literally out of their chairs because his last knockout was something unlike I've ever seen. But yeah, Magomed Ankalaev gets next title shot. Leapfrog Jamal Hill. Do something with Paul Craig. It's so weird because Paul Craig has beat Jamal Hill. And I believe he's beat Magomed Ankalaev. But Magomed gets the next title shot with a dub here. Let's talk about how this fight's going to go down though between him and Tiago Santos. Because it's going to be 
I think it, it honestly could be a little bit more difficult than people are expecting it to be, especially earlier in the round, especially when Tiago has more energy. Uh, it's going to be a striking fest, in my opinion. And then I can definitely see Magomed Ankalaev just ending up changing levels or later in the fight and just trying to grind it out, grind out a victory. And then Manta's going to hop on the mic and he better call out. He better call out Harry Prohachka and Glover Teixeira because I feel like he should be next in line for sure, dude. But that's that for the light heavyweight division. Way more complex than people want to give it credit for. Um, way more interesting than... It's getting way more interesting, especially with all the young prospects and everything. So pumped about light heavyweight. Okay. And then I guess let's work our way down to the co-main. Co-main equally as interesting has just like i don't know there's just something about this fight that feels absolutely massive you're gonna you're you're basically cornering one of the toughest guys you're backing him up into a corner and just seeing what he's gonna do marlon marais you're giving him a young contender in song Yidong, but marlon marais we cannot forget that this man fought for a title against henry Cejudo. this man has knocked out all jermaine sterling and as much as people as much as like the UFC, they have been cutting back. They have been getting. They have been cutting guys off. If Marlon Marais loses this fight, I am going to be one of the biggest advocates for not cutting him. You should not cut this guy. His resume is fantastic. Um, like I was gonna say, like second to none, but there's some pretty decent resumes at bantamweight, especially now because it seems like everybody you fight, no, even if they're not even ranked. They're almost household names at this point. But Marlon Rice, you cannot cut him. He is so valuable to the division because he is such a good indicator at how good a guy is. Because like we that Marlon the Marlon Marais versus Marab Duales Feely fight could have went either way. Marais um, had him on the rock on the ropes, and we could see Marab uh, fighting for a title at any time. And it's just it's just. I don't know, dude. It's just the cardio factor. Like Marlon Marais, he's built like an absolute superhuman, and he, for that, for those first few minutes of that first round, he can battle with anybody. It's just how is he going to fare going deeper and deeper into a fight? But as for the as a fight's beginning, he is one of the most dangerous 135ers on planet Earth, and I am going to be, like I said, the biggest advocate for not cutting him if he loses. He's, that'll be like his fourth fight that I believe he's lost in a row if he does lose but this fight for song Yidong is going to be crazy this is my pick um for fight of the night for sure like there besides the guido canetti fight i mean i could see this the only reason i could see this not being fight of the night is just because there's gonna there could be a finish way early in the fight but as for it being a dud don't think it's going to be one but uh because i don't think anybody's going to get finished in the guido kennedy fight but Song Yidong versus Marlon Rice. This is the cash. Anytime Song Yidong is fighting, you have to tune in and watch. His front leg kick, head leg, like head kick, his front, his lead leg, like head kick is lightning quick. And that's basically what he got Julio Arce out with. These styles clash. It's just perfect. They're built similarly. They have the same kind of style where they can take you down, they can beat you up, but they also love to stand and bang, and they're very dynamic on the feet as well. So in terms of what's going to happen for Song Yidong, let me lay out the picture here. Song Yidong, he gets a win over Marlon Marais here. Am I too... Cr- is it bad? I know it sounds a little bit like a hum- I'm a homer for Georgian fighters, but Song Yidong versus Marab Duales-Feely. Again, 
it would be setting Song Yirong up for success. I know Song, he kind of had trouble against Kyler Phillips, and it doesn't really seem, it's just really strange how some guys can just, they keep their momentum and they keep going forward even though they have lost to a guy. Like, it's just so strange. Like, Kyler Phillips beat Song Yidong, and then he loses to Howley and Paiva. And then Song Yidong, he gets a couple wins, and then people just forget that Kyler Phillips even existed. Super strange. But Song Yidong versus Marab Dual Shafili, it'll be... A, if we want to fast-track Song Yidong into superstardom, that's going to be the way to do it because I'm pretty sure Marab is number six at this point, and then Song, he's 14 or 15 and Marlon's like number 10. So if he it, it it makes sense honestly. Like if you can if Song can get by Marlon, sure. It does it make sense for Marab though to look down um or to fight a guy down in the division? Maybe it could be a safer option, but either way Marab's still going to have to fight somebody above him. That's why I'm looking at that Corey Sanhagen versus Marab Duvalish really fight. The Song if he if Song beats Marlon, I think you give him Marab. If Marlon loses, I think Marlon would be a perfect fit for Ricky Simone. And then all again, like I said, all this, what I'm saying could end up being obsolete and like the snap of a finger because literally there's new fights being announced all the time. But these are all, this is all obviously just speculation on my part. And I honestly, when I made my last episode, I didn't realize that Kevin Holland wanted to fight D-Rod um, in his, he, he that was actually a name he called out. I just was looking through the top, welterweights in the world and i was like dude this is a stylistic heaven this is a heaven matchup like godsend uh if kevin could fight d-rod so i didn't know that didn't want to think i'm stealing from mma junkie or anything you know what i'm saying but yeah marlon rice if he wins i have no freaking idea he's in a really unique position though where if he wins he can save his career basically and he's backed up against the corner, and that's, this is a dangerous Marlon Marais to get for Song Yidong. This is going to probably be the toughest in considering his last fight out against Marab. It's a lot to say, but I think this could be the toughest Marlon Marais we've seen. It's going to be like that Tyrone Woodley effect where he came out against um, Vicente Luque where Tyrone looked the best he's had in a while. But yeah, Marlon, give him Ricky. If he wins, he stays safe. If he loses, please don't cut him UFC. Because uh, he's got so much gas left in the tank. And then Song Yidong, if he wins, give him a rob. If he loses, I don't know. Maybe do that rematch with Kyler Phillips or something. That would be kind of sick. Or if Song Yidong wins, save him for the winner of Cheeto versus um, Font. And then have that potentially have Song Yidong versus Cheeto too. But I don't, we'll talk about that later. I don't know how that fight against... Uh, Font versus Cheeto is going to go down. It's going to be so, super interesting. But yeah, that's that. So what do we we've talked about? We've talked about the light heavyweight division. We talked about obviously Song Yidong. Okay, let's get into what fighter is going to impress most this card. And I think the easy answer here is Drew Dober. He was going to fight at his his fight, original fight. I think fell through, and then he's going to be fighting Terrence McKinney. And Terrence McKinney is hitting the UFC by storm like he is taking out basically he took out Matt Favola and then he took out fantastic prospect in Frosty um, super early in the first round both of it he I mean he only has like two minutes and seven seconds of total octagon time in two fights which is insanity but people are forgetting about Drew Dober dude this guy can stand in there against I mean he he got he did 
I mean, considering what I've seen Islam Makachev do to other guys, like Drew Dober did pretty freaking good. Um, and then obviously he had to fight Brad Riddell, who Brad Riddell is. It takes a guy like Rafael Fazeev to get Brad Riddell out of there. So, But Drew Dober, this is going to be the toughest fight of Terrence McKinney's career. Terrence McKinney cannot overlook this guy. He can. He's strong. He's built like an absolute ox, dude. He can stuff takedowns if he really has to. And then obviously, like we've seen, he stunned Brad Riddell. He can knock you out at any given moment. Uh, I really... I'm really am high on Drew Dober, even though he is he is 33. He I think he's really hitting his stride. He has lost his last two fights, but he is. When we talk about guys that are in that fast, quick, strong, I don't know. I just I think of like Drew Dober, Rafael Faziv, and Brad Riddell, and like Armand Sarukin, all those kind of guys. I think of all of them in the same kind of category. And Drew Dober is. People cannot forget about this guy. He as he as quickly as he did like he he did the UFC a favor against like the Makachev fight, and then obviously Brad Riddell. It's fantastic. It was a fantastic fight for as long as it lasted. But like, I mean, it, it actually did last the whole time. But Drew Dober took some serious shots. I don't think Terrence McKenney is going to finish Drew Dober here. But I really think Drew Dober is going to bounce back. I think he's going to. This could be the beginning of like a Drew Dober run, in my opinion. I think he's going to be. He's the dude to watch in, on this card in terms of a guy that's going to bounce back. Okay, then I guess my next favorite fight on the card, Alex Caceres, dude. His fight against Sung Woo Choi, didn't think he was going to get past Sung Woo Choi, but he ended up doing it. And now, what is he on? Like a 5-5 win streak now in the featherweight division, which is fantastic. Love Bruce Leroy so much. Uh, oh, wait, no, he's on a 1-2-3 four yeah he's on five five win streak and he's fighting Sadiq Sadiq had to fight Arnold Allen who Arnold Allen is his uppercut is so sick and then his his whole entire Arnold Allen's game all around is just fantastic but Sadiq Youssef's going to be a tough out he's so strong I don't this is a tough 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 matchup for Alex Caceres but I just think Alex Caceres can find a way dude I think he can find a way to get it done and my, I know I sound like a homer here, but Caceres versus Chikadze. Oh, no, no. The winner of Caceres versus Sadiq, put him up against Giga. I think it would be a good matchup. It's a good matchup for Caceres because they're both kind of long guys. And if the fight gets to the ground, it could be in Caceres' favor. It's just a matter of getting it there because Giga, I don't know what Giga's suspension is like considering how much damage he took. And then in terms of like, I don't know if Sadiq will get that fight, but if Caceres can um, get the get the win here, this is something that Geek has got to take into consideration because in terms of how the Calvin Cater fight went, this is going to be a easier fight for um, Giga, but still it's going to be really tough because Alex is a gamer and he just finds a way to find your back and joke you out or do something wild. And he, his, his standup is fun. Like he can definitely hang with the best of the best. So I'm looking for Caceres versus Chikadze if Sadiq, if Caceres can get past Sadiq. I don't know though if getting past Sadiq isn't even an option because super, he has the ability to turn your lights out. And no matter how the fight's going, Caceres could be doing really good, but all it takes is that one shot from Sadiq. So I don't know, but then we have Cleo Roundtree for Carl Robertson. I love Cleo Roundtree. Carl, watch out for your freaking legs because he's gonna hit you with that like weird old bleak kick thing. And then we talked about Terrence McKinney versus Drew Dover, but then Bruno Silver's Alex Pijera. 
this was this is like the match that everybody expected to happen after Bruno Silva beat uh, was it Jordan Wright in Beverly Hills Ninja or whatever I think that was yeah is it yeah it was Jordan Wright it's like this is like a stylistic matchup for the ages because both of these guys are so long 185ers if there's anybody and then obviously there's the whole myth I mean, there's like the legend of Alex Pieta, the only guy that can beat Pereira, who can beat Israel Adesanya and stuff. But this is this fight's gonna be crazy. I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, dude. Like Bruno Silva, both these guys have such long levers they can put your lights out. It's going to be a scrapper, definite sleeper fight on the card. But like, you never know. This is gonna end up being fighting that I could be so wrong on all the other picks that I have, but. It could end up being just kind of a technical striking matchup where not a lot of output is thrown and then maybe get a finish here or there. But it's going to be crazy. Both these guys are so long. Like they um, they can manage distance super well. So And then as soon as it gets in the pocket, it's going to be 50-50. Whoever lands first wins. But Tejeda or Pereira, however you say it, I'm probably looking at him to get the dub. But Bruno Silva... He looked, he's looked really good lately. And then, obviously, Matt Semmelsberger versus A.J. Fletcher. Matt Semmelsberger. Dude, this guy. Semi the Jedi, dude. Semi the Jedi. His his, his knockout against Martin Snow was insanity. Like, he landed that sucker right on the ear, I think. Right? Yeah. Snow shouldn't even have been in there with him. But Matt Semmelsberger, I'm looking for a KO for him. Julian Robinson for J.J. Aldrich. It's a tough fight, dude. I'm going to go to JJ. And then I'm excited to see uh, Javid Basharat versus Trevin Five Star. Trevin Five Star. This is going to be his first fight back since losing to um, Saeed Yakub Kakramanov. But Basharat looked really good in his Dana White Contender Series fight. Um, that was like I think that was the one where like the guy called him like a terrorist or something. Super strange. But I'm excited to watch Basharat. Um, then Damon Jackson with Kemuel Kirk. Kemuel Kirk is a killer. But Damon Jackson, he can find the he can find the freaking uh he's a leech, dude. He can find a submission anywhere if it goes to the ground, even if it's a dirty fight, you know. He beat Charles Rosa, who Charles Rosa is fantastic. His only his only really um loss since we've hit the year twenty twenty was against Ilya, and Ilya is pound for pound one of the the best one forty fivers. Or I guess he's gonna be one fifty five now, maybe. So yeah. And then Sabina Mazza from Miranda Maverick. I'm interested to see how Miranda um, bounces back after kind of getting dominated by Aaron Blanchfield. That's crazy. Because um, like we've said, like Miranda Maverick, she is probably going to be one of the flyweight, world flyweight champion cont- championship contenders here in the near future considering how young she is. Like give her three, four years, she's going to be right up there. Um, and yeah. Like, we got Cody Brundage, good versus Dr. Lujan Bula. It's going to be crazy. And then Guido Kennedy, Chris Matinho, and then Tefan Chukwu versus Azamat Merzakhanov. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun night of fights, dude. And then, yeah, like, big implications, like we've said, dude. And then also, I want to talk, I want to kind of get into some of the newly announced bouts. So, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, but. I got the text from my friend last night that we're going to see Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. It's going to be crazy, dude. Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler. Like, at first when I heard it announced, I instantly was thinking, like, Michael Chandler is going to finish Tony Ferguson. And that probably would be the case if this was, I don't know, three years 
pri- like if this was three years ago, I would definitely or three or four years ago, I would definitely give Tony Ferguson the edge against Michael Chandler. But this is the thing. I think the UFC really is trying to set up Michael Chandler because they think they have more juice. Like it's it's kind of it's just really tough. I don't want to sound like disrespectful or anything, but Michael Chandler, I feel like he's got more to offer to the UFC right now in terms of challenging for a title. So they're gonna get they gave this fight to him for that reason because Tony Ferguson. I'm not going to count him out, dude. I don't want to count out Tony Ferguson just given the fact that he can do everything. And he can, he sticks in the entire fight and that gives him a chance. All 25 minutes. I mean, 20, he, 24 minutes could be going the way from Mike, like could be going Michael Chandler's way. And all it takes is one mistake from Michael Chandler to gas out or do something. And Tony Ferguson could be on his back and throw up a triangle or put him in a choke or something. But choking out Michael Chandler is going to be a tough task considering man is built like an absolute tank. But, yeah, I really believe this fight is just meant to keep Michael Chandler relevant in the lightweight division. There's gonna, it's gonna be from here on out for Michael Chandler, though, considering how many absolute slayers there are in lightweight. This is going to be Michael Chandler's. It's tough to say because Tony Ferguson, I'm not gonna count him out at all, but this is probably going to be by Michael Chandler's easiest test for the time being, like. It, like this is because after if Michael Chandler can get past him, it's only gonna be it's gonna be Fazeev's, it's gonna be Armand's. It, it hope and it's gonna be Benil Dariush's. It could be maybe a Connor. That would be crazy. I don't think that Connor versus Jorge Masvidal thing is going to ha- happen. That'd be stupid. I just don't think that that's a smart matchup for Connor. Connor. Let's let's just put it this way. If Jorge connects on the chin of Colby, drops Colby, I just don't think Connor's going to be able to take that shot. Here's what I will say, though. I was talking, I know that we're in the time of just popularity just shooting you up, but the, the, tell me what you guys think about this. Kevin Holland, okay, like we talked about, he beats Alex Ol- Cowboy Oliveira. Say he gets a fight with Daniel Rodriguez later in the year. He gets a fight with Daniel Rodriguez. If he can somehow find a way to get past D-Rod's boxing and D-Rod's power and D-Rod's take down the fence, get on the mic. Call out Jorge Masvidal because I'm not too convinced that Kevin Holland is... I'm not convinced that Jorge Masvidal can get Kevin Holland out of there easily. And I, honest to God... I know I've been harping on this the last episode too. Kevin Hahn, he gets past... I really do think he gets past Leon Edwards. I think he gets past Vicente Luque. I know a lot of people are high on Vicente. I want Vicente to get a title shot. I want Vicente to become a champion. But I really do believe in Kevin Hahn's ability to work his way up the rankings fast. And what... Like if you... Right now, if you had a fight against Jorge Masvidal versus Kevin Holland, I want. I'm really interested to see what the poll would be. I obviously don't have a ton of followers, so I can't do a poll yet, like on YouTube or something. But I want to—I want to know what people think how that fight would go down. Because I think Kevin's got an equalizing factor in his hands. He can keep people at distance. He could get cracked, but he recovers quickly. And if he goes to the ground, he can scramble back up to his feet. He's fighting smaller, lighter guys than he is at 185 pounds, and he's an absolute problem. So, yeah, I think if he gets by. A guy like D-Rod, he might have to fight one more time before he gets a top-ranked guy, but 
get on there and call out Jorge Maso. Jorge would be down. You don't have to worry about grappling. You don't have to worry about anything. Jorge, that would be... Because Kevin sells fights. Jorge sells fights. It would just be one of those super fight kind of deals. Like, just do it, dude. Out of all the fights, like Colby Covington versus Dustin Poirier, all these blah, blah, blah fights, like Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, I would want to see a Jorge Masvidal versus Kevin Holland fight over all of those. As as much as I want to see Conor McGregor fight again, I would rather see Kevin Holland fight um, Jorge than I would want to see uh, Conor fight Jorge. Mostly because I love Conor. And I don't want to see him get knocked out again. Um, but that brings up an interesting topic, though. Like, Connor, let's fight. Let's do the Nate Diaz trilogy. I think that's simple. I think you just got to do the Nate Diaz trilogy, and that's that. But as for going back, circling back to the original topic, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson, I'm taking Michael Chandler all day. Not going to count out Tony Ferguson, but UFC just, they know what they have in Michael Chandler, and they know what he brings to the table. Not going to count out Tony, though, dude. It can't keep saying that enough but and then obviously we have the Rob Font versus Marlon Vera we mentioned this prior Rob Font versus Marlon Vera it's going to be a striking battle and it's going to be fun and Rob Font he boxing so clean Marlon Vera stand up so freaking clean got those front like those front kicks to the face front kicks to the body like teeps I don't know it's going to be fun dude I don't think that fight will go to the ground is there anything else just crazy topic. I don't know. Like, Tai Tuivasa versus Stipe Miocic. Maybe that could happen. I don't know. Um, let's go on ESPN MMA, see if there's anything. I, all of the ESPN MMA stuff is literally just Jill Sonnen thinking Jorge versus Connor. I just don't think that's I don't think that's the move. It's a big moneymaker, dude. I don't know. But, yeah. Oh, Robert versus Vittori. That could be crazy. Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. That's something to look out for. But, yeah fun exciting times boys um is there anything else yeah hope hopefully some of my stuff i've made a lot of predictions today hopefully some of the things actually come to fruition i want to look at the ufc rankings really quickly because i want to just see what's there so we got okay if we were to restructure the rankings though for lightweight what would it be so we've got gaichi at one poirier two three islam four Darush five chandler i think that's right then you got six dosanjo seven tony ferguson eight dan hooker nine gillespie ten connor you know i'm probably gonna have to say that i would take tony ferguson dan hooker and connor mcgregor greg gillespie's pretty solid but i would take tony ferguson dan hooker connor mcgregor and swap that with fazeev armand Mataj. Braverdale. There's killers coming up. That is so scary. That's like looking out in the ocean and seeing a freaking shark with its fin coming towards you, dude. There is some serious slayers coming out and uh, lightweight it is going to be so much fun. Same with basically every other division, I guess. Yeah. Craziness. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. We this is around 30 minutes long. Um so many fun fights. I want to I'll think of more and I, I just love to say like I told you so but yeah like I, I just get so excited when they announce fights and it's something that I actually predicted even though my guesses are usually pretty relatively uh, educated but you know we can be more uh, I feel like this tied to Ivasa kind of thing is just kind of making people be more optimistic with what, what with what can happen because you can be a number 10 12 13 spot and if you have enough hype behind you we're going to throw you up in the top five and that's what's going to happen with like Hamzat too like there's going to be some crazy matchups here soon and it's going to be it's going to be fun stuff rankings 
sooner or later, people the rankings aren't going to mean jack because as we've seen in bantamweight, the difference between a guy like Adrian Giannis who isn't even ranked and a guy that's in the top, I don't know, like um, eight to, I don't know, like top 12 to eight, those guys are all like pretty similar. The only difference is like maybe one key name. And that's, like I said, with Ricky Simone, if he can beat a Marlon Marais or something, that could propel him right into the top five too. So, or right in the top 10. But yeah, guys, thank you so much. I hope to get this um, episode out. And then I want to do a post-fight episode on Saturday. So yes, thank you so much. Bye-bye.